Welcome. This is the Underwater Sunshine Podcast, and my name is Adam Duritz. I'm here with my friend and compatriot. James Campion, how are you again? I am I am good. <laughs> I am good. God damn it. Um, should, we, should we just leave that in there? Like yeah, I guess too? that's someone. Yeah, screw for it. some reason, people try to call me all the time. It doesn't come through on my on your on my computer, but that time it did. Anyways, we're going to go back to it. You know we, somebody's going to be listening to this and be like, yes. holy shit, my phone's going it's, off. It's not your phone, it's mine. <laughs> for some reason, it happened on my computer this time. Uh we were talking about Stu and the Negro problem last week, and we're going to continue that today. We talked about their first album, Post Minstrel Syndrome, uh, 1997. We talked about Joys and Concerns, which the Negro Problems, which came out in 1999. And we talked about, I think in 2000, Stu put out the first Stu album, which was called Guest Host. That was my favorite. Uh, about a year and a half later, he put out The Naked Dutch Painter and other songs in 2002. <laughs> it's, uh, I wrote about it in my... Uh, on my blog back then that uh, Not As Sunny As Guest Host The Naked Dutch Painter and other songs is much more concerned with dissolution and the harm you can cause to the ones you love even when you don't want or mean to and then I said a a minute later I had to rethink that assessment because the second half is almost a celebration of all the myriad and wonderful if sometimes somewhat fucked up ways it is still possible to fall in love even if you're crazy and the people you love are crazy it's still love and I think Stu wants us to remember that crazy or fucked up or drugged out or whatever love is still love and it's amazing and it means the world and you're always going to carry the imprint of it and the memories wherever you go for the rest of your life and he is very concerned with both those things on this album especially because having had a child he begins to write songs about that. I want to start you off with one of those songs. It's like the second or third song on the record, but uh, I think it's very much about the change in his life having had a child. This is Stu from the Naked Dutch Painter and other songs, Love is Coming Through the Door. One, two. Mr. For a Thousand Days She is all that's left of me I have witnessed love's untitled ways Seven times across the sea See her dancing in the garden now Someone will wait up for me I can't give up cause I don't know how There is so much left to see When she says
Yeah, that's another example we talked about in the last podcast about how he just doesn't give up on a song. <laughs> he plays it to the bitter end. I mean, his outros are some of the best outros I've ever heard in any kind of pop music or rock music. I mean, he just doesn't – He th- there's always something to hear on those outros. I love how the vocals just become ethereal and then the piano is dead and right in your face and then that sound effect towards the end. You know, I, I'm, the I'm record a, coming off. a sucker for that. The interesting thing about this record is the way it was recorded um, – uh, looked at Matthew Greenwald on allmusic.com said this this unique album had its basic tracks recorded live during a residency as LA, at LA's Knitting Factory and then buttressed by some immaculate studio overdubs by juxtaposing Stu's live spontaneity with some extraordinary studio audacity the end result is a breathtaking catharsis as well as one hell of a show for the listener brilliantly written conceived and performed The Naked Dutch Painter and other songs is one of the first and maybe finest singer-songwriter masterpieces of the 21st century hmm. So as I said, uh, that's a good review. <laughs> that's a hell of a review. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and it's an interesting thing to do to take it because there are uh, sections of spoken word parts on this album because that him talking, but they did take a live performance and then you would never know it's a live performance except for some places where that's in there, but it really did give uh, this this joy and like bounce to the, the tone of the record. It right. sounds amazing, you know? Yeah, I, I love stu- uh, studio audacity. That's very well said. Um the other thing about that song that's so fantastic is that it never loses momentum. It's very much a pop song. His other songs earlier in his career, especially the ones with the band, he tends to go into these different directions, leaves where you're going, and then gives you a little taste of something else. That song is a straight pop song, and he, and even with that chorus with the with the with the female vocals in there, it's just really really pretty, and and again very accessible and and great like. Utterly joyous. I have missed her for a thousand days. I think that she, it, this uh, the his daughter Bibi was born uh, to the woman he was living with in in Berlin, and so she was over there when he came back here. You know, and I have missed her for a thousand days. She's all that's left of me. I have witnessed love's untitled waves sailed ten times across. See if you remember, like earlier on Comic Book Land, is it Comic Book Land? Tap these hollow books. The titles wave at me with my nose pressed up. The titles yes. wave. He's playing on tidal waves and titles wave, and then all the tears behind your tidal wave. Do you ever tire of the tightrope wire dance over Melrose Place later? But in the beginning of Comic Book Land, tap these hollow books. The titles wave to me with my nose pressed up to the window of Culture Cave. You know he's he's playing with that same thing again. You know, I have witnessed love's untitled waves. Right. You know, uh, sailed ten times across the sea. See her dancing in the garden now. Summer won't wait up for me. I can't give up because I don't know how. There's so much left to see when she says, "Look up." Look up. Love is coming through the door. Right. And then she says, look up. And that's the point is like we, we spend so much time looking down at our feet, at our pianos, at our songbooks, at everything else. And sometimes you have to look up and see what's there in front of you. And having a child 
brings us to him. I remember he said, uh, reading once, I can't remember if he said it to me or reading once, that he was never going to write songs about uh, his daughter. He just didn't think he'd ever be able to. And and there actually, as you'll see, there there are a number of them that are spectacular songs, stunning statements of incredibly joyous love and warmth uh, in, that he manages to put in these songs. This one especially, it's a beautiful song, and it's impossible not to feel all that joy. Well, you know? it's true, and and that's one thing. You know, my daughter enters a room when she comes home from school when she's not around. Sometimes there's an exhale. Oh, you know, we're gonna have it's just gonna be the two of us. My wife and I are just gonna do this and that. But after a couple hours, you kind of miss it. You miss her, and there is a thing when love comes through the door. It's it's almost like a reminder of, and and it is very much without getting maudlin. But the whole Harry Chapin concept of you know cats in the cradle, it it does happen so fast. You know, there's not enough time. If you just stare at your kid every minute of every day, it's still not enough time to see because they grow so fast and they change so quickly. Uh, I love that about it too. And and you mentioned about the wordplay. He, he loves the wordplay. We talked about it in the earliest songs, changing Cain, C-A-N-E, we think, to C-A-I-N. Or it could be both, regardless of how it's spelled. Or the idea and then, you know, dear, D-E-A-R. The way he uses words is just uh, – he again – like the endings of his songs, he's not—he's not just uh, putting words together. He's finding out new ways to express them. And so earlier on the record, I talked about some dissolution and the ways we fall out of love and the damage we do to people. But he—he he talks about love and also like the resurrective qualities of it in a song called "Reeling." A few songs earlier than this, it's—it's it's got a lot of psychedelia in it, uh, in its melody and its sort of stoned uh, sort of delivery. But he's, do you want to do this again? I knew when we started I wanted to be more than a sin. And I did see the pitfalls in front of me, but I laughed and filled them in. I kind of love that. Again, he's like playing with the word pitfalls, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to see you again. I know it's silly, but I, I cannot hold it in. And I can see the pit calls out to me, but I close my ears and grin because it's real. Really, really real. The feeling is really real. I might kill the dove, not because I want to, but because I don't know love. But I can see that you might carry me out of this empty hole I've dug because it's real. It's really real. Um, I might mess this up. I got, a note full, I got a notebook full of nightmares and I'm caught up. But I can see your world in front of me so vivid. I'm dumbstruck because it's real. It's really real. Um, so check this out. This is reeling. This is, this is like a second song on the record, I think. <laughs>
Cause I want to But because I don't That's a soul funk ballad right there. There's no holes barred on that one. I love the phrasing in that. Like yeah, it sings really, real. But the the verses have a lot of Beatles in them too. And I can't see the drill in front of me. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's a lot of Beatles in those melodies, uh, which this album has a lot of. There's a whole triptych like a. A genius. I'm not going to play it, but I want to talk about it briefly. There's an incredible nine and a half minute triptych song called The Drug Suite, which is made up of three songs. I must have been high. I'm not on a drug in Arlington Hill. Uh, I must have been high is like about his childhood experience with LSD. I'm not on a drug is about the experience of being at a party and you're the only one who's not on drugs, who's not high. And then uh, Arlington Hill is this beautiful like childhood reverie, remembering being a kid and being stoned in a VW bug with a bunch of friends up on Arlington Hill. Uh, and the first and the third part of that, I must have been high, and Arlington Hill both show up in Passing Strange. They're rewritten slightly, but they're both in Passing Strange as part of the, uh, the play. And actually, you know, in the last podcast, we listened to Come Down Now, which also, with a rewrite to it, is, uh, is in Passing Strange as well. Some of these songs get reworked thematically for the music for the play. But the drug suite is quite amazing. It's like... 
relaxing with your friends on this bug and then going down to church to sing in choir practice while you're high as fuck. And it's like this painting of this moment in his life, this part of his childhood. And it's a pretty incredible uh, trio of songs. There's a song in the middle of this album called North Bronx French Marie. And it's one of my favorite songs, period. There's something about the perfect... The, it's almost like there's a, there's no guitar riff at the beginning of it, but it's a piano riff that works like a guitar riff. And he's telling this story about a sweaty summer in New York City and the way, like, the image of, like, falling in love during, you know, you know how it is here, these ridiculously hot summers we have. And, yes, and uh, by the way, I grew up in the North Bronx, so. <laughs> moonlight brushing against the window of American landscape night, typical Tuesday night. My love is standing in the doorway and she unlocks the screen door for me. Juvenile fantasy. Still houses whisper ever so silently. I'm alone on the sidewalk, you see, waiting for French Marie. Look what the New York summer's done. You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun. But hey, it's not the heat, but your sweet humility that shakes my tree sticks to me, French Marie. Shakes my tree sticks to me, French Marie. I'm waiting to see where the wind blows. Maybe she's lost in thought about me the way I'd like her to be. Tomorrow she'll ask, why'd you wait so long for me? Are you all knocked out, baby? That would be too crazy. I tell the girl, don't flatter yourself so, but you know I'm deep in check, you see, waiting for French Marie. And look what the New York summer's done. You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun. But hey, it's not the heat, but your sweet humility that shakes my tree sticks to me, French Marie. Well, she smokes half my cigarette and laughs at me and asks if all the Negroes are like me. Well, baby. Well, baby. Tonight I sleep with television, the warm, talkative lover, sexy electric. North Bronx Marie is somewhere screaming at the leaves of her hopeless brother. I guess her life is hectic. I like to think she needs a fireman like me to get her out of her family tree, the way I'd like her to be. Well, look at what the New York summer's done. You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun. But hey, it's not the heat, but your sweet humility that shakes my tree sticks to me, French Marie. Uh, I'm just knocked out by some of the lyrics in the song. The, the whole picture of like, look what the New York summer's done. You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun. And then that incredible play of words, but it's not the heat, but your sweet humility. You know, of course it's supposed to be humidity, but it's not. It's right, not the heat, it's the humidity. Yeah. It's not the heat, you know, like. And I like the middle rhyme of sweet and heat. Uh, again, this is a guy who knows exactly how to put words together to make you think. He's not just throwing them together. He's having fun with the lexicons. He's having fun with the images that are in these songs. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear that now. Very well done. That, the way you read that is very enticing. You want to you wanna hear how he phrases it. But um, yeah. I'd like to think she needs a fireman like me to get her out of her family tree yeah. the way I'd like her to be. <laughs> right, like I a, love the like twist a, in that line. Like the little, the little little cat you know, stuck up in a tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That reminds me of that Ani DeFranco song. You know, I'm not a cat. I'm not a kitten stuck up in a tree. Don't try to save me. But I, I love that, that idea of um, you know, the fireman, the, the classic. The fireman has to go up and take the kitten out of the tree. Yeah. It's nice. Check this out. This is from the Naked Dutch Painter and other songs. This is North Bronx French Marie.
the window of American landscape night, typical Tuesday night. My love is standing in the doorway, and she unlocks a screen door for me. Juvenile fantasy. Still houses whisper ever so silently. I'm alone on the sidewalk, you see, waiting for French Marie. Look away, Canary, in the summer's time. You're in a punk rock t shirt melting in the sun. Hey, but it's not the heat, but your sweet humility. The shakes my tree, sticks to me, French Marie. Shakes my tree, sticks to me, French Marie. Maybe she's lost in thought about me The way I like it to be Tomorrow she'll ask why you wait so long for me Are you all knocked out, baby? No, that would be too crazy I tell a girl, don't flatter yourself so But you know I'm deep in check, you see Waiting for French Marie Look around the New York summer's done You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun Hey, but it's not the heat but your sweet humility The shakes my tray sticks to me, French Marie Shakes my tray sticks to me, French Marie Smokes half my cigarettes and laughs at me and asks if all the Negroes are like me. Well, baby, me, well, baby. Sleep with television, the warm, talkative lover, sexy electric. North Bronx Marie is somewhere screaming at the leaves of a hopeless brother. I guess her life is hectic. I'd like to think she needs a fireman like me to get her out of a family tree. The way I like it to be. Well, look what the New York summer's done You're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun Hey, but it's not the heat but your sweet humility Look at what the New York summer's done Well, you're in a punk rock t-shirt melting in the sun it's not the heat, but your sweet humility. The shakes my trade sticks to me, French Marie. Look what the New York summer's done. 
sticks to me, French Marie. Look what the New York summer shake my tree. Stick to me, French Marie. Look what the New York summer shake my tree. Stick to me, French Marie. Look what the New York summer's done. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. These outros are spectacular. I think he's yeah. just playing like a circus melody there. Um, now, that that whole song is not live. Well, you can hear that the audience... Well, I mean, Towards I think it's, it's recorded live. And there are some overdubs in the studio. But those this whole record is recorded live. Right, I'm trying to get... I'm trying to... Because, you know, I was noticing at the end, I didn't realize... And I know, because from what you read from the review, and we were ta- you talked about it earlier, but I love how... I, I thought he did it on purpose because in the studio, what you would do is he would finish the line, look what the New York summer's done, sticks to me, French Marie. He, he doesn't – he stops himself and interrupts himself to sing that. It almost like he's so frustrated he can't even finish the line. I love that. I thought that was a, a conscious – but of course if he's singing it live, he can't overdub with himself. So he's, he's got to break well, the line. Well, they can because they, there are overdubs on these songs. There they could have done it, right, but they don't and I love that. That's the way he, he wants it to be, you know. And I, I need to point this out, and I know you read the whole lyric, but to me, the idea of the sexy electric, the tonight I sleep with the television, the warm talkative love, or the sexy electric, uh, it, it, that's the kind of line you, you, you could almost picture like Prince doing a whole song, Sexy Electric, which I'm sure he did, something to that effect. But in this one, it's the enticing concept of the television that people leave on at night or in a room because they don't want to be alone. They need that companionship. Um, and she's not there. North Bronx Marie is somewhere not. screaming at the leaves of her hopeless she's brother. somewhere else. I guess her life is hectic. Right. You know, I mean, like, there's a, there's a disconnect between the two of them, and he, and he says it without saying it. And, and he's putting you there in the room with him. We've all been there. Late at night, turn the TV on. I used to work at night, so I'd get home, put the TV on, and, and just to relax me. And, and just to, to just watch nothing, to, to take my mind off of driving and driving. So I just love that. To me, it's... it's, it's it's really a, a song about companionship, lose, trying to connect with someone and find out why you can't. And, and he does it, as you read earlier, so, again, poetically. But those lines right there puts me in that room with him. Yeah, yeah and it's not that he's not going to connect with her. This, the song is not that – it's not sad that way. No, it's no, all, it's no. all about possibility. How do we go? How do we make it happen? Right. How do I make this happen? We've all been there too. You know, you see someone. You want them. How do we get there? And uh, – and he's, he's, he's letting us in on all his thoughts. But, and again, it's, it's not sung – first of all, from the very opening chords, it's the most country-esque song of his. When it opened, I was like, holy crap, this is like a country song. Country kind of chords, the piano's kind of got that barroom thing going. Kind of, but it's a country rock thing on this one. It's very much yes. like a Neil Young – it's like a like – everybody knows this is nowhere. Right. It or reminds the, me of that song, especially in the way that shakes my tree, sticks to me, French Marie. The way there's that like broken up like yes. triplets in there. That does remind me of everybody knows this is nowhere. Yes. Um, yeah. But but it is – it has a, a country – it's the first stab. The last song is very much soul. Had that 70s, you know, the, the wah-wah pedal, the, 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 the really sensuous bass line and the way he, he sings it. And in this song – 
it's a straight, I think, a straight country rock song, like you said. And but but just like a good country rock song, you know, he's he's singing, he's giving it his all at the end, you know, shakes my tree. <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 country rock, but it's also it's very New York, and, and yes. it's it got that in it. it. It has that late night. If it's country rock at all, it's Vince Scalsa playing it in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know, like uh, <laughs> Idiot's Delight. Yeah, yeah, and, and no, the other thing too is that's true. We equate, and I'm thinking of, say, Faulkner or a Tennessee Williams play where everyone, their shirts are stuck to their, you know, their bodies and they can't, you know, they're, they're like, oh, God, they got the fans and they're dying because they're sweltering in the summer heat. But in New York City in the summer, you know, when the hydrants are open, at, done beautifully in Spike Lee's film. Summer uh, of Sam, for one thing. And but the Summer of in Sam. In Brooklyn, too. I mean, yes. yeah, I mean, this, he, he's conjuring up a summer... A sweltering summer, but it's not Tennessee or Kentucky. It is Brooklyn, or in this case, the Bronx. Bed Stuy you know? in yeah. in in, uh, in uh, do the right thing. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the North Bronx, and we all had our windows open. We didn't have air conditioning in the apartments, and uh, you know, the, the the hydrants would be going, and you'd be out there, uh, you know. But you're a kid, so you want to be outside, and you're sweltering, and everybody's out there just dying, and there's nowhere to go. There's no relief. Um, there's no ride out to the Hampton, Hamptons when you're lower uh, middle class, or even we go out to Ride Beach occasionally. But you know, it, it, it's, it does capture that really beautifully. And you know, you've said this many times about your songwriting and, and, and songwriters that we love. It's not just the places you are. It's it's naming things that you can uh, that are tactile that you can tangibly relate to. And for me, the one that jumped out, and that's just me, but there's plenty to choose from here. It's a great buffet of of lyrics in the sense where you can choose. The touch tones, and for me, it was the TV late at night. Your windows open, and you're just you're picturing her somewhere out of Fire Escape, you know. And there's a yes! Fire Escape there too, you know. It's That's a New right. York thing. Very good. Very. You good. know, across down the Fire Escape, you can see the water tower across the building across from you. And it's like yes. So I said this record had a lot more. He begins to write a lot more songs to or about or uh, regarding his daughter, uh, BB. And uh, there's a song called The Smile. A couple songs later, uh, and it's it's so clearly that, and there's something so at peace and beautiful about it. Even though at peace is the wrong word, because he's he's a little well. I looked for my soul today. It's no wonder why it seems it had been misplaced. I looked almost everywhere. Then your picture said hi, and my searching ended there. So what's going on? Did you and the choir sing a song? And is it snowing yet? I've got some advice. Please don't forget. Never be sad. No, I see the smile on your face. I see the smile on your face. I just lost my mind today. It was starting to drive me crazy anyway. I'm glad you're doing fine. Just wanted to say you're on my mind. And someday I just might crawl in through the window of your mind and make you glad. And I'll see the smile on your face. I'll see the smile on your face. Well, it's almost nine. It's almost past your dreamy time. And someday soon I'll find a way to be near you all the time. I miss you bad. Never be sad. I'll make you glad, and I see the smile on your face. Uh, I'm gonna play it for you because, like, he's just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's got a little psychedelia to it, but it's like there's something so. Well, check it out. This is the smile. No wonder why Seems it had been misplaced I looked almost everywhere Then your picture said hi 
by searching in the dead. So what's going on? Did you and the choir sing a song? And is it snowing yet? I got some advice. Please don't forget. Never be sad. Now I see the smile on your face. I see the smile on your face. Now I see the smile on your face. I see the smile on your face. I just lost my mind today. It was starting to drive me crazy anyway. Glad you're doing fine. Just wanted to say you're on my mind. And someday I just might crawling through the window of your mind and make you glad. And I'll see the smile on your face. I'll see the smile on your face. And I'll see the smile on your face. I'll see the smile on your face. Well, it's almost nine. It's already past. Someday soon I'll find a way to be near you all the time. I miss you back. Never be sad. I'll make you glad. Yeah, that's a top-notch melody at the end of that. Uh, well, it's almost nine. It's already past your dreamy time. Someday soon I'll find a way to be near you all the time. It's so – the way he sings it is – I mean this could this song right here could have fit in perfectly in our Beatlemaniacs uh, trilogy of – Well, yeah, and a lot of these songs could have been on our Chamber Pop stuff too. Yeah. I love that he's – you know what he's using throughout this this record? They've got a hooter. You know one of those things that oh, you yeah, blow the what they call melodicas. Use, yeah, the melodicas. Band. They got a fucking hooter all over this record <laughs> and they're managing true. to make it work. There's an instrument I do <laughs> not like. They're but managing. They to are make. making it work. It is so good throughout this record, their <laughs> use of it. Uh, that knocks that knocks me out even maybe more than everything else put together. The fact they're pulling off that instrument. It's all over the record. It's on Smile, it's on North Bronx French Marie, it's it's everywhere. It's like uh, the other thing that needs to be said, and it'll, I'll kick myself if I don't if I don't say it. I'll be listening to the podcast back when I put it together and be like, Campion, why didn't you say that? But if you noticed, and I know you have, 
he really drives home his choruses. He's not afraid to read the same line five, six times. Even when he did the yes, 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 no, yeah. that might like you know I'll, I'll see the smile on your face, and I'll see the smile on your face, and I'll see the smile. He's I love the fact that he drives that home. He's that's a that's a, his his the endings, the way he uses words, the endings of the songs, and the, his choruses are like his trademark. That's basically all of the song. Plus his verses are amazing, but you know, like he'll have a he'll have a chorus like French Marie where it's a, a long series of lines, but he's okay with having a chorus like, "Love is coming through the door," and she said, "Look up, look up, love is coming." You know, because yes. and that and in order to do that, you have to nail the melody. Yes, and you have to make it good enough that that melody has a life of its own, and the harmonies can all fit around it. I have trouble with that. I write longer, wordier courses because, quite honestly, I have trouble writing those things that are just melodies that way. He hmm. knocks that out of the park time and time again. I, I was I was wondering how that song would feel to you. That and love is coming through the door because you're a parent with a young daughter. Yes, you know, and I, I imagine that a lot of the things he's saying are resonant for you. But I have a song for you coming up next because I know what your favorite song was in the last album, and I want to play <laughs> you the title song of this record. The record is, of course, called "The Naked Dutch Painter." Dot 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 and other songs. Uh huh. And I want to pay, play you The Naked Dutch Painter because this is very much like Rehab in a way in that it's a story song and it's a folk song and it's a stew song so that it's not the normal kind of any of the others. <laughs> so this is The Naked Dutch Painter. Naked Dutch painter in the kitchen does not want to fuck you She's got 17 boyfriends and an 8 o'clock class to get to She's smoking hash all night with some coffee on Moretto She's asking stupid questions about my groovy black ghetto And the naked Dutch painter in the kitchen does not want to fuck you Dutch painter in your bed does not want to sleep with you She just feels like being naked You don't think that you can take it with her next to you She says Gandhi used to sleep between two naked women But you're not the Mahatma, that's a whole nother religion And the naked Dutch painter in the bed does not want to sleep with you Naked Dutch painter in the morning does not want to need you She missed her 8 o'clock class cause she couldn't get her ass up off of you So you walk along the Rhine and jump back in the sack If this is how they do it then you're never going back And the naked Dutch painter in the morning does not want to need you Talking about the naked Dutch painter The naked Dutch painter The naked Dutch painter The naked Dutch painter La-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-
Well, first of all, <laughs> um, first of all, I am embarrassed to say that I have heard that song before, and I kind of now remember Stu. I, I do you ever hear of a of a of a singer songwriter named Ed Hamill? He went by Hamill. Um, I think I looked at Hamill on trial. Do you ever hear of him? He was on uh, the Rach- Righteous Babe records. He opened quite a bit for Ani, and Ani introduced me to him, and I did several interviews with him. I think he toured with Stu, because I remember him telling me about this guy and the Naked Dutch Painter song. And a lot of his oh. songs are like talking songs like this. Hamill's songs. He's got this great uh, – his best album is uh, Songs for Parents Who Did Drugs. 
Um, <laughs> uh, and and it's great. It's a whole it's a whole cycle of songs about you know him and his wife who you know were partiers and went nuts. And his songs are crazy. They're like Hunter S. Thompson types rumbles. And I remember him telling me about Stu and how great this guy was. I, I, it all is coming back to me now because it was that song, The Naked Dutch Painter, because I think he did a cover of that. And I've never heard Stu do it, but that and it's and very much in that phrasing, that, that singer-songwriter kind of satirical aspect to that. That song is a masterpiece. It is one of those things that makes genius. You know what genius is? It's taking something that's very, very difficult to do and make it palatable and easy. It's when you watch LeBron James play or you watch, you watch Ken Griffey Jr. play the outfield back. In, I would say he makes it look like he's just playing catch at Central Park, and he's making these miraculous over-the-wall catches. It's, it's watching gr- a great band work together. It looks easy. It looks fun, but it's not. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of painstaking understanding of how to structure a song. Something like that. All the stuff that you've played over these two podcasts all kind of, in, in my estimation, informs something that brilliant. It's just brilliant, man. Yeah, and, and I'm, that's what I'm talking about. He's working on a level that few other people are. Just the simplicity of like the relaxed way he's just delivering. The naked butch painter in your, in your bed does not want to sleep with you. She just feels like being naked. You don't think that you can take it with her next to you. She says, Gandhi used to sleep between two naked women, but you're not the Mahatma. That's a whole nother religion. And the naked Dutch painter in her bed does not want to sleep with you. That's just like, it's so effortlessly, both hysterical and brilliantly capturing a character. And also the character as she changes and becomes, you know, falls in love with you and then falls and then goes off with her professor and then you sleep with her professor yeah yeah and then at the end the end the, at, with the the breakdown going on and just the guitar pedaling and it's very tender and it's um the naked dutch painter at your door says she finally loves you but she said i'll see you later when she saw another naked painter sitting in the kitchen with you right and by the way that phrasing is not easy he goes no. over the actual melody and just continues it and brings the whole kitchen and painter thing back yes you know how hard that is to do i mean that's true writing please continue so the naked dutch painter at your door says she finally loves you but she said i'll see you later when she saw another naked painter sitting in the kitchen with you and then this is amazing well she seems a little shattered but she, well she seemed a little shattered then she got a little pissed when she saw that you were flattered by the fact that you were you'd be missed. That you know, like she's heartbroken, and then angry because she sees that you like the fact that she's heartbroken because it's nice to be missed. Yes. you know that's a that's a great. She seemed a little shattered. Then she got a little pissed when she saw that you were flattered by the fact that you'd be missed. Yes, and the naked Dutch painter at your door says, and then he just laughs and sings the end of the song. Yes, it, yeah. you know, yeah, probably says fuck you. You know, at that yeah. point, I love you. Oh, fuck you, you know? You need me too much. You need me too much. And I, I like that distance. It's, it's a song about longing, uh, sexual longing, but also uh, not understanding, as I was saying before, the different masks of a woman. You try to figure them out. You try to figure where you, you belong in that uh, connection. But sometimes you never do. And those are the loves that really haunt you, but they also bring back so many great ways to, to utilize them in your work, in your literature, in your expression. And that's what he's doing here. And you know, listen, but I, also just in a couple lines to be able to capture and a couple her of lines. Finally, good point. Her finally love, falling in love with him, but then being heartbroken at him being with another woman, and then him 
in a brief moment seeing that he's pleased that she's heartbroken because it means he matters to her and then getting really angry at him for that flash and and that that all takes place in in a, a, a split second and he captures it all in those two lines you know seemed a little shattered then she got a little pissed when she saw that you were flattered by the fact that you'd be missed just like I mean it's funny it's offhanded but it's got this darkness to it too you know you know like the, the verse before it after you know you you end up in bed with the professor and the girl, right. and you get a little shuck up by it. So now you're on your own in a freezing payphone around daybreak. You're feeling so shitty that you're calling Culver City just to bellyache. Here it comes, ready? But there's this nobody line. home except your answering machine, so you write a stupid poem about the freaky <laughs> shit you've seen, like the naked Dutch painter in the morning sky who hovers above you. It's fantastic. In this vision, uh, you know, that it becomes a visionary thing. He won't let you relax into thinking he's just making a joke. There's beauty in it and love and heartbreak, and it's funny. But he doesn't let you sit still too long in any one of those no, things because no, he, he keeps surprising you with what he goes. And this, you know, this album is like uh, the New York Times when this album came out called "The Naked Dutch Painter" and other songs. Perhaps the finest collection of songs an American songwriter has come up with this year. And once again, second year in a row, second album in a row, Entertainment Weekly. Named the record album of the year, just yeah. as it did with. Uh, I'm so embarrassed guest to say. Host. I knew it. I knew this guy. I knew of this guy, and I could have done a piece about him because I remember him. I remember Hamill and Hamill saying, "You got to go see my friend Stu. You have to see this because he knew that's the kind of stuff I like because that's what Hamill on trial does. And and the way he sings this, very much like uh, Ed, is he sings it like a limerick or a child's rhyme. It's very easy to get lulled. It's really like a lullaby. You know? But it's filled with so much pathos and so much drama and, and, and such depth that you could get away with just singing that. And then it just explodes with ideas. And he doesn't, it's very much like Tangled Up in Blue. When the way Dylan sings Tangled Up in Blue, he's just telling you a story. It's flowing out of him. It seems like, when you listen to it, he's telling you the story for the first time. I mentioned it in the Zevon uh, uh, one where he talks about Stud- – when he sings Studebaker, it's as if it's happening. The car is breaking down, and he's explaining this fucking car. He's breaking down. It's, he's explaining to you the frustration and the angst of what's going on as opposed to, 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 to telling about – I feel like this song, even though he's going back, it's in, it's in real time. It's in the um, – the present tense. So it has an action. In, in writing terms, it has an action that allows you to go along with where he's going, as opposed to telling a tale. And that, again, is a, is a rare talent in songwriting. Um, so or any writing, really. So Stu had said that, like, uh, the, it wasn't about getting rid of the name the Negro problem. It was about uh, he wanted to save, you know, the Negro problem for the more outrageous music in some ways and and maybe the more personal quieter stuff would be stew albums and having decided to after two wildly critically acclaimed stew albums guest host and the naked dutch painter and other songs they decided to go back and make a an album with the negro problem even though it's a lot of the same people and the album's called welcome black it comes out later that year so there's two albums in that year i think that this is late in 2002, and The Naked Dutch Painter is early in 2002. Uh, the album's called Welcome Black, and it blasts into you with, like, Fox Hills is the instrumental introduction to Father Popcorn and to, and to the album itself. And these, these are the first two pieces. It's just a 20-second song, Father, Fox Hills. But then it goes into Father Popcorn, which as, as Stu sings, you know, I want to put you in a pop coma. 
I want to put you in the popcorn machine. <laughs> and it it is like blasting psychedelic Beatles harmonies and a wash of music at you. Uh, <laughs> and it's if there was going to be a reason for why they were going back to playing as the Negro problem, Fox Hills and Father Popcorn make a perfectly great case for it. <laughs> uh, so this is that. And uh, let's check that out. This is the beginning. The first things you hear when you put the needle down on Welcome Black by the Negro Problem. Put 
so yeah, that that would have fit perfectly in our um, in our chamber pop. Uh, kind of has that that Beach Boys flavor to it. Kind of would also um, uh, what we played by um, Matthew Sweet and Ryan Adams. Of course, what you guys did on a couple of tracks on Hard Candy. I, just the the way the vocals come in and really just sweep it. You know, and which which he hints at in earlier songs. But in this case, this is sort of his. It's come to fruition here. This this and what a way to open up the record. What a way to bring that band back into the into the fold. Yeah, the, to the those beautiful like French horn parts or whatever that is. Followed by, you know, At the beginning, yeah. Heidi singing that first verse, which ends with, see if you remember the song long after the song is gone to the memory graveyard, and then a pause, and then Stu, don't want to put you in a pop coma, Wah! and then yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, and you are in a pop coma. <laughs> yeah. This is what I wrote it, it at, at, uh, on the blog back then. And wham, you are in a pop coma. It takes all of one minute for the Negro problem to return and hit you with such a heavy dose of the sweet soul candy of pop music that it knocks you on your ass like some late Halloween evening up in your bedroom, sneaking the rest of the candy your parents told you not to eat (laughs) until the sugar hits your system and sends you up through the roof and out into the star-filled night sky. You know you're you're just going to come down hard later, but for now it's a very cool way to get high. Welcome black indeed. Ah, nice chops, Durst. Thanks, thanks. It's a little writing thing there. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it takes. And you're right. It is sort of like that weird thing. I mean, you used being a kid and being jacked up on sugar, but it does have that sort of <clears throat> that, that momentary. If this was a film, you know, the person would put the tab of acid on their tongue and lie back on their bed, and then the bed disappears, and you see the person float up into the <laughs> sky. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. He he's he's a, a musicologist. He does a great job studying. Words and how to wordplay and interact them. He understands how all that works. I mean, yeah, it's just it's a pleasure listening to these songs and it's a pleasure talking about them. I mean, these kind of songs were meant for this kind of podcast. I mean, we're just geeking all over the joint with this, but we really do. Uh, we are inspired. I am, and I know you are because you're playing them and you, you're bringing them to the table. But I'm very inspired by this guy going there. And and making us think a little bit, and and also enjoy. So it's a twofold. You're enjoying the music on its own, but we're really getting a lot out of it um, on a deeper level, which is excellent. That's the whole point of this thing. So yes, <laughs> Bravo, Stu, again. I'm gonna go to another song. He has this song called "Lime Green Sweater," uh, <laughs> and it sort of like deals with the idea that maybe teachers are human beings too, and that in fact they're probably they're getting high, you know, and if you think about it though, like into, you know, your, your high school teacher in, you know, 1990 something, maybe they're a 40 year old teacher. That means they were 20 in 1970 and 18 in 1968. And if you think about how many people are getting high in 68, it's possible to conceive of the fact that all your fucking high school teachers get high. Yeah. Something well, I we always don't felt have... that way. I always felt that it way. It never occurred to me that any from... of my high school teachers they, got high. They, a lot of those guys – when I was in, the, in high school in, in the 70s, they all, almost all my teachers had long hair and beards, and, and about 50 percent of the men had, had served in Vietnam. Um, he's got <laughs> – it, it's this great song about the way people change throughout their lives, but at the same time don't really change at all. You know, uh, I, I'm trying to find the lyrics here so I can talk – see what I'm talking about. It's about these two women, this, this woman, Mrs. X – Mrs. X expects a party every night, all up in the club till the new morning light. How does she keep her job at the library? There must be something at the luncheon keeping fruit on her tree. But something's got to go from bad to better. She says maybe we can burn some rope together. (laughs) Mr. Wayne's a teacher at the Magnet, you see. He keeps the kids awake with his oratory. He's like a rock star strumming electric chalk. 
but when a period's free, sometimes he goes for a walk. To see Mrs. X, because she makes him feel better, yeah. She says, maybe if we burn this rope together, yeah. I looked out my window, Lord, and there was Mr. Wayne just climbing like King Kong and feeling no pain. Said, I am raising the rent, but I'll give you a hint. My voice is like a dent on 68 Barracuda. Mrs. Elder fits into this final verse because she's always got something wicked inside her purse. It's such a mystery grab bag from Beirut to Baghdad, that Miami Afghan. In Humboldt, she wore a caftan, but now she's partial to lime green sweaters, yeah. Come on, baby, if we burn this rope together, yeah. Oh, she pulled something out of her lime green sweater, yeah, and said maybe if we burn this rope together, yeah. Um, I just, I love this sort of thing about his teachers and what they're all doing behind the scenes while they're teaching us at school, you know, because they're just people. Right, we don't see them that way, sure. And sure. This, is, this, is, this is from Welcome Black. This is back to the Negro problem again with lime green sweater, and it is a little bit of a different take musically. Mrs. X expects a party every night All up in the club till the new morning light How does she keep a job at the library? There must be something at the lunch And keeping fruit on a tree But something's gotta go from bad to better
Well, there you go. Here's another uh, style of music that he's conquering, and that's the kind of the New Orleans kind of style of, of playing. It's not quite Zydeco or that kind of thing, but it has a feel, the Louisiana kind of Dr. John thing going on in that song. Uh, it reminds me also what the Stones did in their country side of Exile on Main Street, uh, kind of playing with uh, with that kind of southern. And by, by, by what I mean by southern is not Nashville or Memphis southern, kind of country rock blues. I mean that kind of swampy... Uh, you know, combination of jazz and Dixieland and 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 barroom kind of style um, that he does a great job of sort of capturing there. You know, beyond the lyrics, beyond his images and his his um, references to how kids see teachers uh, or the secret life of teachers per se, but it, musically that really was stark. It really reminded me so much of that kind of style of music, which again it, it shows how. Um, elastic he can be in his songwriting so I'm looking back through the blog again because I want to move on to the next record now and uh, I forgot about this but after this record another year goes by before the next album comes out and that summer we spent touring all of us together Counting Crows and uh, and Stu and the band uh, we spent the whole summer before this next release touring together so I had all these personal relationships with these songs before I got to hear them and this is what I wrote about them I was surprised at how different they all seem when viewed as part of the whole in which they were all intended don't get me wrong I love this album I know a lot of people get demoitis and complain about the way songs they loved live or in raw forms turn out when they finally see the album this is not a problem you run into with Stu or the Negro problem so when the summer ended the tour came to a close and we all went our separate ways I found myself in a record store about a week later and I remembered that Stu's new record was out that day I always expect something different from them. The world is filled with disappointments and things that turn out to be so much less than you expect or hope. But I expect something better from Stu. I always expect something more. The nice thing about these guys is that they do too. So when autumn rolls around and you go to the store to buy their new album, instead of disappointments, you get something deeper than these changes, which came out in 2003. I write a lot about love and loneliness and loss, and as I don't seem to be making any inroads into fixing these issues in my own personal life, I often wonder if I'm getting anywhere near the heart of the matter in my songs either. There's a complexity to these subjects, and sometimes I think I'm missing some of the more subtle aspects of it. I don't know. I think about it a lot, but I don't know. I do know that Stu is not missing anything. Something deeper than these changes takes a long look at love from a lot of different angles and comes up with perspectives on subjects that seem at first glance to be mundane, but turn out to be almost shockingly rich. As always with Stu, that puddle you're staring at your reflection in turns out to be a very deep pool. In love like that, he looks at a mother's love and sees reflected in it that the way we take things for granted in our life that we should never, ever take for granted. There are things that come from very deep places within us, and they're so powerful and so much a part of our daily life that we miss how rare and immeasurable they are until they're gone. And then, of course, it's too late. This is another subtlety I missed until I saw Passing Strange because Stu really gets into his relationship with his mother in the play. The funny thing is they're only so invisible because they're so constant, and they're only so constant because they're so all-encompassing and powerful think about it how often have you struggled just to care about someone for a week or a month or a year now think about the loves you took for granted that lasted the length and breadth of all the time over which two lives interlapped like your mother or your grandmother it's just an organ a bass and a piano and Stu's voice and i think i mean that's what i wrote back then but this song it is to this day flips me out it's very much about like the love of a mother and a child you know having looked at a lot of songs from the relationship of 
himself to his child over the last few records, James. You know, like he he runs he goes back to the other end of it, you know, which is a big theme in Passing Strange as well, which is, you know, he's clearly, you know, putting the pieces together for that at this point too. Um I remember when I owned everything. The sun, the moon, and the rain in my domain. Stretched out all along the astral plane of cosmic Kansas to LA. The universe is a toy in the mind of a boy. Life is a movie too, starring you, your whole family, cast and crew. A little secret between God and you. And one day he whispered, mother's love might seem insane. It's because she really knows everything. Too bad it takes so long to see what you've been missing. And love like that can't be measured anyway. And you know love like that can't be measured anyway. Love is taken for granted when you don't understand it. Since it came so easily, it must be free. Wish I could have listened carefully when I was Icarus in my grandma's tree. I love that line. When I was, wish I could have listened carefully when I was Icarus in my grandma's tree. What are you listening carefully to? She probably told you not to climb up in the tree. <laughs> and like Icarus, you fall out of the sky. <clears throat> right. When she was singing, mother's love might seem insane. But it's because she really knows everything. Too bad it takes so long to reveal the holy mission. And love like that can't be measured anyway. Ain't it strange how it all makes perfect sense when your life is the evidence? She needs to feel how the love made you more than real. It churts you up and it fills your cup. And if you're singing Mother's Love might seem insane, it's because she really knows everything. Too bad it takes so long to reveal the holy mission. And love like that can't be measured anyway. And you know Mother's Love might seem insane, it's because she really knows everything. The candy wisdom hidden away in your lunch-paled mind you'll find tastes like nothing in the world today. I love that line. The candy wisdom hidden away in your lunch-paled mind you'll find tastes like nothing in the world today. Like the smarts that you have are so brief and like they're just like candy. It comes in and out of you. It's not like the love she gives you, which is so much bigger than that. Um, This song really knocks me out because like we don't think of it that way. You you do. You're so young and you grow up and your mother gives you all this love and you, you chafe under it. You know, not that we don't love our parents, but we chafe under that affection and that love and we want freedom from it. And it just seems like this crazy, endless thing they pour all over us because in our lives, we have so much trouble finding anything we can love for a week or a month when you're young. It's like we can't find that. Especially for a boy, mom, you know, a mother and a son. For me, it was. Yeah. 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 This, this, This sense of you immediately feel it's overbearing or she doesn't get it. Or you want to be alone. And, you know, my mother had a, a saying. She used to always say, y- you're my heart. You're, you're, you're my, like, like what she say for me and my brother? You're two hearts. You know what I mean? This is the extra heart that I have, the hearts that I have. So it was part of, like, the thing that made her work. But for you, it's like, hey, come on. Let me just be me. I'm not your thing all the time. I'm not your little boy. It's very hard. It's that way for any kid. But, yeah, you never we were saying it before earlier about kids. You know, when he was talking about love come through the door, look up. Look up from your distraction, your, your, your ego. You know, always thinking about yourself or your work. That's what, it, you know, I'm constantly, I always say, I have to say to Scarlett, I'm writing, Scarlett, I'm working. You know, I can't do this now. You know, and just the other day, I went outside to play ball with my, my kid for, for, you know, 15 minutes. And that was a lot for me, you know, especially during the week when I'm doing a lot of stuff. And that's, that's the way it is when you're a kid. You're busy trying to get an identity. You don't think about a mother's love or a father's love or a parent's love. And it's not until later on when you start comparing. They always say that you do compare a lot of your relationships with how you grew up, how you were raised. 
And uh, yeah, that's very well said in a song. Is it a ballad? I guess we'll hear it in a moment. But how does yeah, it... it's very simple. It's literally mostly just organ. Uh, I mean, what do I say? There's the instrumentation. It's just an organ, a bass, and a piano. Oh, right. It's very, yes. very simple. But it's, well, this is the first song on something deeper than these changes, which is the next album. It's a stew album that comes out in 2003. And like I said, we spent the summer before this touring together. And uh, like I had all these relationships with these songs. But somehow he still manages to surprise me and to blow me away. And I had no demoitis at all. Like after a summer of hearing these songs played live and all these relationships with them, and then the record comes out and it's just better. Still better. Mm. But this is the first song, and it's called Love Like That. She really knows everything Too bad 
song really boils down to uh, ain't it strange how it all makes perfect sense when your life is the evidence you know yeah that's you know really it that's it yeah very very simple and beautifully done a harmony again great there you know I rethought what I was saying about that line, those lines at the end about the candy wisdom I don't think it's about the small just like sugar high wisdom that you have I think it's that in your DNA and in the in the back of your mind that like your mother when she packed your lunch would maybe hide some candy in your lunch as a prize you know in your head they hide this knowledge that you're loved you know that it's just in in your lunch pail mind that the candy wisdom in your lunch pail mind that is the the knowledge the innate knowledge that they pack away in the back of your head for times when you need it that you're loved yeah, you know, and that—that's the extra thing they give you without even saying they're giving it to you. And like, the candy wisdom hidden away in your lunch pail mind, you'll find tastes like nothing in the world today. There's nothing else in the world that is has the flavor of that innate knowledge in you that you are that someone that you are loved, right? You know, I- immeasurably by someone, and almost you know without, um, you know, any kind of conditions, you know, completely unconditionally because you know, it's it's their child. So no matter what things you're going through, even though it seems like to you they're yelling at you all the time and punishing you and making you eat vegetables and go to school and all that stuff. I mean all of it is, is in the uh, service of making you a better human being. But that, that speaks to the earlier lyric, love is taken for granted when you don't understand it. And how can you understand that when you're a child? Your brain, your idea of the world, your idea of yourself is just formulating. So how the hell would you know any of that? Also, what must be said about this, and Adam has talked about this before with me, and I don't know if, if he's mentioned it on this podcast, but you've always said to me, the way that 13 is sung, the um, Big Star song, mm-hmm. that kind of innocence, he has it in, this, in his voice here. It's very, very innocent sounding. The way he's singing it, it's, it's almost like somewhere between the man and the boy. It's a, it's a weird way he straddles that, the way he's phrasing this. It's very beautifully done. There's a breathless kind of realization in it that seems to like, as if it's just occurring to him. Right. In a way. And, and there's a sort of wonderment to it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A Another few thing. songs. That opens the record. 
And it's a kind of a devastating opening, you know. It's a very, very powerful realization in that song. A few songs later, and he's reversing it again, like Medusa and Pygmalion, but he's talking about his daughter again. And in this absolutely lovely song called the, it's a, it's written for his daughter, and it's called the Sun I Always Wanted. Um, S U N. S U N. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's this. There's a funny story he was telling in this show once about uh It there's a show about a year about a year later, Immer and I. And I'm going to play you some of that later on. About a year later, the Negro Problem hadn't played song, hadn't played any shows in a while, a long time, um, and they did a, a series of shows at Symphony Space up in uh, Harlem. Is that where Symphony Space is? Like a hundred? It's in Harlem, I think. It's a hundred and something street up there, and uh, it was all Negro Problem stuff. The whole breadth of the career of that band and. We ended up playing with them, but he tells this story. I think that's where it is about either uh, this or love is coming through the door. And he's talking about his daughter and how he told her that you know that he wrote this. He didn't think he'd write songs for her, but he did write that song. I think that's the first one, "Love Is Coming Through the Door" from the Naked Dutch Painter. And she's like, "So, Dad, is that song really for me?" And he says, "Oh yeah, it is." And that's like my song. He goes, "Yeah, it's your song. It's all about you." I mean, what does that mean? Like, it's my song. He's like, it's your song. It's I wrote it for you. She's like, well, do I get the publishing for that then? <laughs> she's like 10. She's like visiting him from Berlin. And she goes, does that mean I get the publishing on that song? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. She's like, God damn it. <laughs> my daughter's 10 now. And she says to me the other day, you know, my daughter thinks I'm famous because I'm on the, because you Google me and a picture of me comes up. Um, and because, you know, I do book signings. So she came to my book signing uh, the last weekend, and she says to me, Dad, if you're famous, does that mean I'm famous? <laughs> that some, <laughs> yeah, can I cash in? How can I cash in on any of this? That's great. <laughs> Ten years old, man. I'm telling you, I never thought my, my daughter would be this uh, pragmatic and understanding of the uh, economics of the world that she has, but she has. She's pretty worldly. I mean, we've taken her out of the country a lot, and we've, you know, she's grew up basically in in uh, in and around Manhattan. But still, it's shocking when they say things like that to you. That's that's very very funny, but it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I remembered it now. I don't <laughs> think it's about this song. I think it's actually about love is coming through the door. Still. But uh, but I, but I wanted to play this song too because it's just such a. If I have children, I'd like to be able to write a song like this because it's – well, it's the, called The Sun I Always Wanted. And obviously there's a play on words there because it's S-U-N, Son. Yes, he's great uh, at that. But this is one of, another one of his songs for B.B. Uh, again, it's from the album somewhere, deep, something deeper than these changes. Have to say, hooray. 
like Christmas and I like Halloween. Thanksgiving's lovely chaos family scene. But there's no question the favorite holiday is the one that comes on the first of May. So happy birthday, BB. It's so good to have you here. You bring more joy with every passing year. The sun I always wanted shining sweetly night and day. Even the clouds have to say. You could sing that all day and all night. The guy knows what he's doing with the melody there. Yeah, he really does. It's uh, Jeez. Uh, I figured as a parent, that one's going to kill you too. And it, 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 there's no way, I mean, lyrically, yes, but I mean, just musically, it almost has a uh, blackbird singing in the dead of night. That, that, how the hell did he come up with that melody? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I mean, just it, so good. It's such a good melody, and that's true of all of these. His melody, yeah, his melodic true. songwriting, it's this yeah. weird place where Arthur Lee meets the Beatles, meets love, meets the fifth dimension, and they all sit around and play Burt Bacharach songs. Or something, you know. It's this yeah. incredible meeting of a lot of different kinds of music that he's got going on. Uh, during the same period, before this record, before they made this record, he was commissioned, I think, by the Getty Museum in L.A. to write a few songs about some pieces of art, or to write a few songs inspired by some pieces of art. And he manages in doing this to accomplish something more. Uh, one of them. As you listen to the song, it seems to be this heartbreaking uh, treatise and meditation on homelessness, and on the like a very specific because the 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 what the character keeps singing is I just want to be indoors again, you know, and the different ways that the, the life is kind of hard for him and it's sad, you know, and then you you look at. The title of the song, which is in the song, is subtitled "Indoors Again," but the actual title of the song is "The Statue Song," and then in parentheses "Indoors Again." And you realize then that it's actually a song about a statue that's been moved outside at a museum. And but it it really is about all of it at once, and it works as a play that way. And that it is about a statue, and so it's kind of clever. But there's no way it's this powerful. It, it's just about more than that, as statues are, as has come up before in Pygmalion and Medusa, that right. like statues are about more than that. They are capturing something, and he's capturing both this silly story, kind of, of a statue, but also 
in doing that, he is telling a very heartbreaking, powerful story about a, I think, about homelessness. I think. I, I don't know. Well, and I, and I will say that, that it's, it is fun to do as a writer to, to uh, animate an inanimate object. So, you know, here he's, he's speaking as a statue. I'm tired of holding this sword. I'm tired of looking at the, all these tourists. You know, and then the story unfolds from there. It's like what, what he could do. What would he do if he could say these things? You know, uh, uh, Kesey does a great job of that in the book, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, where he speaks. The, the narrator is the, uh, is, the, um, is the chief, and the chief is mute. So he's telling you the things he can't say. It's, it's almost like he's a statue. And there's, there's a scene in that book where he looks at a, a painting, and he throws himself in the painting, and he's wondering what it would be like to be outside this mental asylum. And it's interesting how he uses the, the opposite of that. I, I, I just want to be indoors again. I just want to be indoors again. Oh, where is he then? Isn't he indoors? Isn't he in the, in the museum? Like, you know, it's very interesting how he does that. Yeah, the question is, what is it really about? You know, and I'm not sure. It's just about a statue, you know? <laughs> I'm tired of holding this goddamn sword. I'm tired of standing still. I'm tired of looking dignified against my will. I'm tired of looking at tourists with their stupid pig face grins. I just long for a night if you think it's all right to be indoors again. I remember the warmth of a distant embrace, but I do not recall the name. I know we had a falling out, but I can't say who was to blame. I remember the father's burning rage and the mother's cold refrain. I once threw pebbles at that window to get indoors again. I mean, it... Well, I, well, I hooked up with this hotel maid. She was somewhat startled at first. But we started talking, then after a while she quenched my lethal thirst. She said, you're no different from most men I've been out with, dear friend. And then she asked me how it felt right now to be indoors again. You know, hmm. It is interesting. Well, I had to wake up sometime from this dream of being real. They put me here, exposed to the world, and expect me not to feel. So, if you think your life's not going anywhere, please consider me, dear friend, out here in the fog, with the tourists and the dog, while you're indoors again. And then it becomes a thing about well, if you think your life's not going anywhere, and sometimes somehow instead of being homelessness or a statue, it's all of us who are left comparing ourselves with whatever he's talking about in this song, if you think your life's not going anywhere, and we all do at times. Um, well, like you've said many times, and, I, and I've interviewed you know, tons of songwriters, and you know, it's great if you leave it open enough so you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it. You're, there, you're, there's a story there he's trying to get a point across, but how we interpret these songs is just the way we see them. We bring our own life's experience to them. You know, and this seems like one of those songs. I don't know. I never mean to leave it open to interpretation. I just, <laughs> I just accept the fact that people do. But, uh, you know, uh, I just accept the fact but, that people do. I would never do it on purpose, and I don't know that he does either. But let's, let's listen to it. And, and, uh, okay. This is the statue song, or as the subtitle is, Indoors Again. I'm tired of holding this goddamn sword. I'm tired of standing still. Tired of looking dignified against my will. I'm tired of looking at tourists with their stupid pig faced grins. I just long for a night if you think it's alright to be indoors again. To be indoors again. To be indoors again To be indoors again I remember the warmth 
a distant embrace, but I cannot recall the name. I know we had a falling out, but I can't say who was to blame. I remember the father's burning rage and the mother's cold refrain. I once threw pebbles at that window to get indoors again, to get indoors again, to get indoors again, to get indoors again. again. Now the fall has become a friend of mine and the rain's my mistress fair. The snow and I see eye to eye, but the wind won't mess up my hair. And the pigeon shit ain't as bad as you might think it would be, friend. I just long for a night if you think it's alright to be indoors again. To be indoors again. To be indoors again To be indoors again Well, I hooked up with this hotel maid She was somewhat startled at first But we started talking Then after a while She quenched my lethal thirst She said, you're no different Than most men I've been out with dear friend and then she asked me how it felt right now to be indoors again to be indoors again to be indoors again to be indoors again tonight I'll dream Tops in the sun. Tonight I'll dream of reading newspapers, the left and right ones. And I will dream of seeing a movie, Jerry Lewis meets Bergman. Then I will dream of a scoop of ice cream and being indoors again. Just being indoors again. Sometime from this dream of being real They put me here exposed to the world And expect me not to feel So if you think your life's not going anywhere Please consider me, dear friend Out here in the fog with the tourists and the dogs While you're indoors again So when you think your life's
Okay, well, then, I figured the whole thing out now. <laughs> it's literally yeah. about the st- – I mean, when he sings – so if you think your life's not going anywhere, I'm the statue. The statue's outside, and the statue's being shit on by pigeons, and there's dogs, and it's cold, and he's out there in, in all the elements. And he doesn't feel because he's a statue, but he's, he's the statue of a man. It's, it's stone, but it's in the form of a man, and he's out there frozen, and he's out against the elements and everything else. He just wants to go back inside again. He wants to be a person. So the person that is made the statue was once a person. Then they were made iconic in the statue, and they can't get back, obviously. And it's as if he's frozen in there, and he's still the man speaking to you as now the statue. I just want to get back and be inside with everybody else, having a drink, relaxing, putting my feet up, making love, having a meal, you know, having some ice cream, all the things he's dreaming, dreaming about. I want to read some newspapers and see a movie, for Christ's sake. But I'm stuck here, holding the sword on the lawn. I mean, I do think there's a way in which it's just a song about a statue and a brilliant song about a statue. But I also think there's a side of it that is about, you know, either a, a homeless person, a homeless man, or else just the way in which all of us are often just left on the outside of things. Mm-hmm. And we can't get inside where it's warm, where there's love, where there's, where it's not lonely. We just, you know, it's it's possible to spend a lot of your life in this sort of metaphorical outdoors, outside of everywhere you want to be, and, and you also just can't frozen. Get back to it, and also frozen. And what he's saying is, if you think your life is stagnant, if you think you can't get back inside, you can. But I mean, you're not if, a statue. Get back inside for crying out loud. But That's I mean, it. if you're or if you're a person who can't. It could just be that, too, because it's cold out there when you're lonely in the world. And that's the way, like, metaphors work sometimes, that it's about both things. That, like, there's just... I mean, yes, I think it's a song about a statue, and it's clever that it is. But it is also about so much more about just generally loneliness and the way we spend a lot of our lives stuck on the outside, away from everyone else. Yes, yes. And and it reminds me of not the original satire Pinocchio, but the Disney concept of the boy wanting to be the the puppet wanting to be a boy. This is the opposite. He's saying he's having memories of of you know uh, meeting up with a hotel maid and having a lethal thirst. And 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 you know she says you're not different from most men. He was a man, and now he's a statue, and he can't get back there. You know what made him the statue? If you want to go with the metaphor of the statue instead of a literal thing, what is it that put him out there? But I think in the well, end... Well, if he's a statue, they just moved him out there. <laughs> because that's what they do sometimes. Sometimes you're a statue inside, and sometimes you're a statue outside in the <laughs> right, garden. Right. And if you live in some place like New York, it can be hot, and it can be cold. Right. And, you know, yeah. it's a... Uh... But he keeps singing, so if you think your life's not going anywhere. So if you think your life's not going anywhere, I'm really not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's not that bad for you, man. This is as bad as it gets, being a statue stuck out here pining to go back inside so i want to wrap this up with a couple things because a year after this like i said they they played a negro problem show for the first time in years at up at symphony space and immer and i went to the show i think a hood was there too and uh it probably is a hood that gave me this tape 
But uh, in the end of the show, uh, at the end of the second set, because they played for hours, Immer and I went up on stage and played four or five songs with them. Um, and I just want to play you a couple of those. One which really features Immer and one which features me. I mean, we're bo- I think we're both on both of them, but uh, uh, I'm, you can barely hear me on the first one. If I if I'm there at all, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Uh, but this is, we played this last week in the other podcast. It was the second song we played, "Submarine Down." And normally, we don't like to repeat songs, but Immer's so good on this, and he and Stu, the guitar playing between the two of them is so good together. And I, and I kind of want everyone to hear that because it's not the greatest sounding bootleg because it's a it's a it's a room boot as opposed to a, a soundboard boot. Uh, so it's a little crappy sounding at times, but it's a pretty great version of that song. So this is a an epic version in the encore in the second set, an epic version of Submarine Down with the Negro Problem and Immer, and I guess me. But anyways, there's a there's also a I forgot a, a brief disturbance right when we hit the first chorus. That's because when I got up there and I realized what song we were playing, I kind of chickened out and I said, I don't, I don't know this song. I'll come back up for the next song. I was thinking, I and then I went back to the audience for a minute. And when they started playing, I realized, oh, fuck, I know Submarine Down. And I went back up and caused a bit of a disturbance. There was a little bit of a ruckus right there at the first chorus. <laughs> uh, and it, it's pointless because you really can't hear me anyways on the song. I'm barely doing anything, but I wanted to come back up and sing. And that's the, the disturbance at the, right at the first chorus. I call it a disturbance. It's like a applause, but it's like it seems to come out of nowhere. <laughs> Anyways, submarine down. Okay, I just remember how it went. It's a new beginning. Okay, ready? It goes like this. Okay. Submarine.
Now host that Jolly Roger, swan dive off through splendid plank. That sea cave hideaway is soft and tasteless. Now the rose is glistening and screaming bouquet. Now my tongue is listening to every insect message on the ground.
So glad you played that because um, aside from the uh, quasi live recorded live and then overdubbed stuff that we listened to on the stew record um, that was live and the band I can see where the horns come in beautifully and the the dynamics of the song and you nailed it I mean what Immer's doing there is a kind of cool stuff he not only does with Counting Crows but I was noticing some of the Monks of Doom kind of stylings that he that he adds to that and you know what that's not a bad sounding room sound I felt like no, it sounds okay for a room, but it's it's clearly a room sound. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a, like they're playing in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly a room sound, a room recording as opposed to a, right, a, a right board, board recording. Great. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's epic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about truly. ten minutes long. Ten wow. minutes of Immer and, and Stu and everybody. It's fantastic. So when we got there that day, Stu asked us to come up early for the sound check before the show. And... Uh, you know, he said, you want to play on some stuff? And we played on about five songs. Stumble, which we played earlier. I think maybe, not buzzing. Stumble, is this the single? Submarine Down. Something else. There's one more I'm forgetting. And then we, a oh, Rehab. We did Rehab. Mm. Um, and uh, Bleed. And Bleed is maybe my favorite Negro Problem. Although, or, or actually can't remember. It might be a Stew song, actually. Uh, I think this is actually from Guest Host this song um and Stu really wanted me to sing one song myself and so i said okay let's do bleed uh and i i'm i'm really glad because i actually really 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 love this recording and this live performance and Stu and i really got off singing together and uh just turned out great um so we're gonna play this one more thing for you again this is from a bootleg that I call Silly Symphonies, which was the name, uh, one of the Warner Brothers, the Looney Tunes names was Silly Symphonies. I call this bootleg Silly Symphonies. It's, it's uh, the Negro problem at Symphony Space in New York City, 2004. And then we'll come back and say goodbye. But this is, uh, this is me singing with the Negro problem and Immer. Uh, and this is my favorite song by them, probably. It's called Bleed.
guys have been wonderful. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. That is, um, and a great way to end for a couple of reasons. One, because both of you guys are singing beautifully on that. That that little bit you do at the end, where you just kind of go up and and you do that flutter in your voice, which all Counting Crows fans love. That's very signature to you, but it's serving the song. And then him coming in with the more of the the mid range is really sweet and wonderful. It's cool because most of the song I've been singing the lead, the regular yes, vocal on the choruses, yes. and he's been singing the high part. Right, and then he starts. We start kind of dueling in and out on the last two verses, and then as we come around on the turnaround, just going into the last chorus, I went, I swung up, and he swung into the. Uh, Yes. We reversed positions right there in a really cool, like, one of the things I love about singing with other people and playing with other people is every once in a while, you just get the telepathy right. And on that one, like, I'm singing, he's echoing, I'm singing, he's echoing, I'm singing, he's echoing, and then I sing and hang it, and he swings around underneath me and comes right in on the lead vocal, and I join him in the harmony at that point. We flip places. I thought that was so cool, and it's like, I, you know, it's something about singing with your friends sometimes. Also... The acoustic solo by Immer in the middle there is so cool. Always. He's always so great. He I mean, just what, crushed that. What haven't we said about Immer that we can't say already? I know. It reminds me of his solo on Carriage a little bit, that high thing at the oh, end of Carriage. Oh, yeah. But that's just beautiful. And, I, I mean, it was a great night. I really enjoyed, you know, we've all been friends a long time now, I think. And that's, I'm, I don't know what I was thinking about that being on Guest Host. Of course, it's a Negro Problem song, and it's from Joys and Concerns. It is the... Uh, the middle song on Joys and Concerns. And I love it that the chorus of that song is Come Down Now, even though that's not the song Come Down Now, which comes later. Yeah. Come Down Now, you know, remove your bandage so I can see your damage, you know. But that's, but it's, he's using that chorus. And then, so when you get to the Come Down Now later in the album, which I think is a hidden track maybe, it's uh, very powerful. It's a different version of the sympathy. I mean, not sympathy, a different version of the same sentiment. Uh, All right. Anyways, uh, well, we I just want to wrap say, this up. Yes, but I, this, I can't leave it without saying this. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but I love this. Enter clowning. Enjoy me while I'm downing. Drink tickets and poison herbs, courtesy of the suburbs. <laughs> well yeah, done. man, that's a great... Uh, well done. I love the, the verse. Uh, I come in bleeding, stumbling around and needing. I would love to cut your hair and leave an empty promise there. I come in storming. Before your cloud starts forming, I would love to burn your trash and make a picture with the ash. It's just, it's so vivid, mm. you know. Uh, Great way to end this. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I, I love this band so much. Now, after this, of course, this isn't the end. After this, though, they started really concentrating on the prep for uh, Passing Strange. And, and uh, some of these songs in different versions end up in the play. 
which was a masterwork, you know, and not just the prep for the play, but also because it takes several years because it had to go from Sundance Labs to the Berkeley Repertory Theater to uh, the public theater and then eventually mm. to Broadway, you know, all those different stages uh, to get where it went. And then after that, they've done several other things. They did music for a version of Midsummer Night's Dream. They did another play called Making It about their relationship, I think, as it fell apart. Uh, they did one called Total Bent a few years ago, which we saw uh, parts of the other day. Uh, and the new album, as, as I mentioned in the podcast last week, is uh, Notes on a Native Song, which is uh, deals with Jimmy Baldwin, James Baldwin. Uh, anyways, to me, he is... They are so brilliant together, Stu and Heidi, and he as a songwriter is just in a class by himself. And I, I really, I suggest to everyone, I encourage everyone to go get those records and check them out. Or just, you know, I forget, you don't have to get them. Some of these are not on Spotify, by the way. Yeah, not all of them are, but... Um, no, the, um, the, the uh, Naked uh, Dutch Painter is not on Spotify. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's that a that tough one. one. You can, uh, but you can find it. It's on Amazon. You got that one? Yeah, oh yeah, I have them all. Yeah, yeah. I have multiple. I, I gotta get that. For you, you I know you can find these on Amazon. I, I get millions of copies all the time. I buy multiples of them, give them to my friends. I'm gonna give them all to James today. Uh, anyways, has a parting gift um, <laughs> for being on. You're gonna hear this later on, but I'm getting ready to leave on tour yes. on Saturday. Uh, this was recorded on June 20th, so I hope you all have a great summer. I hope you come see us. Actually, by the time you hear this, I will be hoping you all had a great summer. <laughs> We've been working very hard to build up a backlog so that we could put them out all summer long. Uh, I'm going to miss this, man. Uh, well, you know, James will have to come out on the road. We should stop because we've probably been going on forever. <laughs> I'm sure these are both a little over two hours. All right, be safe out there, brother. See you all later. All right. Peace. Late. <laughs>